Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show on a Wednesday. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us, and good day and afternoon to you. Um, a lot to cover on the program today. We had a fantastic program on Tuesday. The response and the feedback from viewers and listeners was significant. A couple of topics in particular really resonated with you, the viewer and listener, with neighbors, with, with business colleagues and friends and associates and partners. And I want to touch on them again. I've significant feedback on the city council's decision to ban digital comments during the public speaking portion of city council meetings. The feedback in large portion has been one of anti-democracy from the viewers and listeners of our fine and fair talk show. And a lot of the viewers and listeners have based their feedback on um, this thesis, an engaged and civically minded populace when it comes to local government creates more accountability, a stronger democracy, and a more efficient government. And I agree with that. If you missed yesterday's show, if you missed um, Monday's city council meeting, we highlighted the fact that um, Mayor Snook, in fact, Leah Perrier was not at this meeting. She's traveling. She was out of the country at the time. So four people, granted that's a majority, Mayor Snook, Councilors Pinkston, Wade, and um, Payne decided on Monday evening to ban digital public comment. And what I mean by digital public comment is the opportunity for folks to speak via Zoom to city council during the public comment portion period of meetings. Carol Thorpe was signed up to speak via Zoom she had a scheduled slot. She is an extremely active um, member of our community when it comes to following local government and local issues. She has been very vocal about Tent Town. And she, at the very last minute, minutes before her turn to speak, found out that Zoom was no longer going to be an option for her. Carol indicated on yesterday's program that she has had health issues, is handicapped, and homebound currently. So she said, you've literally taken me and other folks, other people in my circumstance, out of the ability to speak before council because we cannot get in a vehicle, drive to council chambers, and speak in person before our elected officials. I've heard from a number of single parents on this topic as well. I've heard from a number of folks who echoed my thoughts that work night shift or double shifts. And I've heard from a number of people that don't have the work flexibility to speak before council on this um, as well. The common theme in what was say conservatively between 60 or 70 individuals who listened to yesterday's show reached out about this. And the common theme was diminishing civic and community engagement, which results in a weakened democracy and a weakened government in Charlottesville. One individual 
a gentleman who works nights, said he follows the council meetings closely and is able to speak from his job at his desk via Zoom or remotely, but does not have the flexibility to leave work to speak in person. And he has said that council hears from him via email and Zoom, and now he's lost an opportunity to connect with elected officials about policy and how they shape um, a, a... I mean, let's cut to, the, cut to the chase. Charlottesville's a... Whether we want to admit it or not, it's, it's on the tip of the tongue of many in the country. Have you guys seen the documentary, and I'll weave you in on this, Judah, as you're focused on the show... Have you seen the documentary on HBO about uh, Charlottesville? It's called No Accident. There's an HBO Max documentary that's available now. My wife and I watched it two nights ago. And the documentary is about the aftermath of the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. And it gives the flipbook of a civil lawsuit that was filed against white nationalist leaders and organizations on behalf of plaintiffs who suffered injury while peacefully protesting or counter-protesting August 11th and August 12th in 2017. The No Accident documentary, which is on the HBO Max platform, chronicles the civil rights trial. It exposes a broad network of conspirators and details the challenges of those holding details the challenges of holding leaders and organizations liable for their actions. It was an incredibly well done documentary. I hated the subject matter for obvious reasons. August 11th and August 12th still continues to resonate to this day. You had aspects of the documentary that showed the spider web of Nazis across the country literally across the country, and how they were woven together um, by this August 11th, August, and, August 11th and August 12th um, rally here in Seaville. It showed at the top of that spider web Jason Kessler, Richard Spencer, and Nazis of the worst kind. And the documentary showcases the aftermath of what happened from a civil standpoint, I hate to say it, I encourage you to watch it. It was informative. Um, it was riveting. Obviously, if we live here, you're going to have even more ties to it. But this is the point I'm trying to make. Charlottesville, as it continues to find itself, recreate itself, evolve, imagine itself, build itself, post A11 and A12, we're not even seven years from then, six and change, government should encourage an active citizenship at meetings, and that includes the digital public portion of said meetings. So, I want to have this discussion with Judah. I want to open up to you, the viewer and listener, to offer some more thoughts. Albert Graves, welcome to the program. 
Bill McChesney, we'll get to your comments. That is not the one Katie Couric did, no sir, Bill McChesney. Bill McChesney says that this is censorship, and they started censorship local government when they limited public comment to um, three minutes. I respectfully disagree with that, respectfully, sir. I think they limited the public comment period uh, per person to three minutes because so many folks were signed up. If they did not timestamp the the uh, a lot of time per person, then they would be there well into the morning. And I think a council meeting that goes deep into the night, surpasses midnight, is also the antithesis of democracy because who truly is watching council meetings late at night or into the morning the next day besides political junkies like myself, Carol Thorpe, Deep Throat's a good example. Deep Throat, what is the, uh, I'd love to have a tight brand for his website. Um, I don't know. Why don't we do this? Let's weave you into the mix, Judah Wickhauer. I'm torn on this. And we covered the reasons why council banned Zoom um, <clears throat> banned Zoom commentary. Yeah. Because two meetings ago, we legitimately had Nazis saying nastiness, the worst kind of commentary in relation to, for example, Hitler and other Nazi sayings during the public portion of a council meeting. I asked the question yesterday, was it a knee-jerk reaction for council to ban the Zoom commentary? And I've been overwhelmed by viewers and listeners indicating, yes, yes it was. We also offered alternative solutions to managing the public portion on Zoom. Yeah. For example, asking for addresses and cross-referencing addresses with people's name that are speaking before council. Deep Throat suggested utility bills could be utilized when it comes to water. The utility bill piece is tough because a lot of folks that speak before council aren't necessarily tied to Charlottesville City as residents or taxpayers. For yeah. example, Carol Thorpe lives in the Jack Jewett District of Almar County. I've spoken before council meetings. I live in Keswick. So I don't think it's important to, I think it's important to include Central Virginia. Yeah. Because I think Almaro County residents realize that their quality of life, their home values, their sense of safety goes as Charlottesville does. So how does getting someone's address stop those kinds of comments? Or is it just a matter of... Making sure it's not a phony person. Okay, but as I said before, that's not going to stop somebody that they're not giving the, they're not giving their name to everyone. They're just giving their name to the person who's who's screening things, right? You have to log in to the Zoom portion with your first and last name. A second filter could be your address, which then could be cross-referenced with the GIS. But is any of that shown on their first and last name is shown? Okay. Address is not. Address can be shown should council want. Do people that come and talk in person name themselves? Uh, people who talk in person, yes, they do name themselves. Okay. They are called up to the podium by their names. Okay, cool. Um, 
I think it would also be nice to just have just have a shutoff button. Like, why can't they just, oh. The freedom of speech component keeps the shutoff button from happening. It has to go, when we learned this from the city attorney, it has to go deep into racist rhetoric for the shutoff button to be utilized. Mayor Snook even emphasized this in the meeting. So you can prevent someone from talking, but once they've started talking, you can't stop them. To a certain extent, that's correct. That right there is where the rub lies. Yeah. Say it again. There's where the rub lies. You can prevent someone from talking, but once they've started, there's nothing you can do. To a certain point, that is correct. And that's why the viewers and listeners are responding about, in significant... What about, what about technical difficulties? I don't, I don't follow. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, somebody started spouting Nazi rhetoric. Tanisha Hudson's an activist locally. You know Tanisha Hudson? Yeah. A local activist. She sued the city of Charlottesville and sued... Brian Wheeler, the spokesman of Charlottesville at one time, the city spokesman, because she said, she claimed in a lawsuit that the city of Charlottesville and Brian Wheeler, who was managing the Zoom and public portion of a city council meeting, kept her from her freedom of speech rights by cutting her off. Hmm. And the city of Charlottesville had to allocate financial resources and time to manage a lawsuit against Tanisha Hudson, a lawsuit which Tanisha, Tanisha Hudson has said on social media, garnered her a payday. Hmm. It's an extremely fine line. Yeah. Okay. And the person who knows this extremely well is the mayor, Lloyd Snook, who's an attorney. Deep Throat says there's online verification systems that should be utilized. Kevin Yancey says don't cut them off, just mute, mute them. <laughs> Bill McChesney says, when your three minutes is up, the mic turns off. That's accurate, Bill McChesney. Carly Wagner says, like the I am here, but I am not a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a cat. I like it. My, after thinking about this even more after yesterday's show, I think what council has done is short-sighted. Because what council has done by closing Zoom as an option for people to speak, it's limited the population from a civic engagement standpoint. Yeah. It's diminished democracy. It's a step backwards. Undoubtedly. It's a step backwards. We're in an an environment where, and I've highlighted this statistic, Bloomberg calls Charlottesville 15th in the nation for hybrid and remote work. The Charlottesville metro area, roughly 25% of the population, you can look it up online, it was 22% and change. Bloomberg called Charlottesville 15th in the nation, top 15 in the country for remote and hybrid work. Here we have a university that's at the cusp of innovation and a national publication that's saying we're the epicenter or one of the epicenters for remote or hybrid work. Yet, our local government is basically eviscerating and extinguishing digital communication during local government and its meetings. Mm -hmm. 
A step back might even be an understatement. Archaic might be the word. Short-sighted might be the word. Lacking creativity and, 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 and solution mindset might be the phrase. I'm curious of how long this lasts. And you compound that short-sighted or knee-jerk reaction with some of the other knee-jerk reactions we've seen around here, and you yeah. see why folks are curious or their antennas are raised or why they're wondering, hey, what's going on? And it's only so much folks can do because you look at what's happening in council right now, you have three candidates for three spots and they're running on a post. Yeah. We have a race that's going to finish on the 7th of November. What are we, three weeks away? We are one, we're three weeks away from knowing who's going to be on the school board, the board of supervisors, and city council. You have a majority on council up for grabs and no opposition currently. Yeah. Think about that. So have we made our own bet? Two of the three are running for re-election and Payne and Snook. Yeah. Or have we made our own bet? I think Charlottesville has long made its own bet. Carol Thorpe says this, Jerry, remember that all of us who are homeowners in Almoral County, like you and me, are compelled to pay 10% of our taxes to Charlottesville City Government via the revenue sharing agreement. We don't get a vote in exchange for that money. So while one could argue whether or not that is taxation without representation, we are at least entitled to speak on matters in the city which directly impact this region. Thousand percent agree with Carol Thorpe. Carol, I, you've been, I think, all over this accurately like you are on many topics. I sincerely mean that. I'll take it a step further, Carol. Not only do I not live in Charlottesville City, and a portion of my taxes from Almoro County are being paid to Charlottesville via the revenue sharing agreement, but I have multiple businesses in Charlottesville City. Can you shine the studio camera over there to the, the wall of LLCs? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. LLCs on the wall. Above the desk next to the bar. Do they see them? There we go. I know I'm asking you to do this on the fly. I'm try to zoom in. That framing, the businesses owned and operated out of this building. If you don't get it completely close in, it's totally fine. You get my point. I don't think they're going to read the names. That's totally either. fine. See it there. We can go back to studio if you'd like. I appreciate you adapting on the fly, sir. So here's my point. I feel compelled to speak about this because, for example, one of my businesses is paying taxes in the first quarter on estimates of gross income for the entire year. You run a business in Charlottesville City, you're paying taxes on gross revenues in the first quarter. I estimate what the revenues are for the entire year, and I lump sum check to the tax office in the first quarter. I'm paying real estate taxes on the commercial property in June and December of every year. 
So while I live in the county and my taxes on my house are in Albemarle, my taxes on my businesses far outweigh my taxes that I pay in Albemarle County. Furthermore, and, and whether people want to admit this or not, a lot of people disagree with me on this take, and I'm fine to hear your thoughts. Charlottesville City's brand and Charlottesville City's brand equity and how Charlottesville's perceived determines much of Albemarle, Green, Fluvanna, Louisa, Gordonsville, Orange, Barbersville, Buckingham. You leave Central Virginia for vacation and you tell someone you're from Greenwood or Keswick or Lake Monticello or Keene or Scottsville or Gordonsville. Mineral. No one's going to know where you, you're from. But you say, I'm from the Charlottesville area, and people say, bingo. Look at all the national publications and how they're ranking Charlottesville. Realtor Magazine, that outdoor publication, Bloomberg, Huffington Post. All these publications rank it Charlottesville, hybrid and remote work. I would bet you the hybrid and remote work Bloomberg ranking that a large chunk of those people, 22%, Bloomberg says, in the Charlottesville metro area, live outside the city jurisdiction. I'll take it a step further, and I've made this statement in the past. You take the tax base that comes from food and beverage in Charlottesville City, or the tax base that comes from retail sales in Charlottesville City, and the majority of the customers that are contributing the food and beverage taxes to Charlottesville City and a majority of the, the patrons and customers that are contributing the retail taxes to Charlottesville City, I would bet you do not even live in Charlottesville City. The lodging taxes, they don't live in Charlottesville City. For city council to prioritize Charlottesville City residents as the top priority for speaking before council and disregard county residents, regardless of the county, is short-sighted. Many viewers and listeners in previous shows have said city residents are going to shop in the city regardless. They live in the city. But those that live in the counties around Charlottesville, they have alternative options for their dollars. And to disregard or discount citizens that live in the counties around Charlottesville is short-sighted. Vanessa Parkhill, in Earliesville, she says, it is just as important to protect speech we might not agree with or that is unpopular or crude. If we don't, then someday we are in the mi minority and we may be silenced. That's to your point. That's to a yeah. refuting of what you've said. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now, Lloyd Snook said in the meeting two meetings ago, it's a fine line. Someone can go into the council meetings and speak now only evidently in person, and can say nasty racist stuff to a certain point and not get cut off. But once, it, and, and the city attorney made mention of this, and I wish I had his exact language that he said, once it surpasses a point of, help me out, once it surpasses a point of, um, God, what did the city attorney use? Hmm. 
Maybe John Blair can offer some insight on this. Maybe well, Deep Throat can <clears throat> offer some insight on this. Well, I would say that freedom of speech does have limits. You can't just – it's – the question I was asking about, uh, you know, the person that, uh, that started the, the inquest into the police officer allegedly kicking someone, uh, yelling fire in a, in a crowded theater. Yes, you do have freedom of speech. No, you can't just say anything. And yes, you can suffer the consequences of your actions. By law. Bomb threat's a perfect example. The, your freedom of speech protects you from the government stopping you from saying something. It doesn't protect you from somebody coming up and punching you in the nose if you're spouting, if you're spouting uh, Nazi BS propaganda to in, in the faces of, uh, of Jews. Well said. Take it, or your employer saying, you did this, you're out. You've lost your job. Yeah, you're not protected from that. Freedom you're- of speech, to a certain extent, allows you protection from the law, but not societal responses. Yeah. Employer, physical violence for those around you. Or, yeah, or whatever else. Uh, but that line getting, can be crossed. Getting kicked out of a, of a Wendy's because you're, because you're cussing out the, uh, you know, the person at the register. That line can be crossed. And we saw it crossed in the Zoom comment portion two council meetings ago where they shut off a Nazi. It took him a little while, and he was able to Utilize the N-word and Nazi propaganda. But he did, he did get cut off. He utilized a fake name. James Watson says, I don't believe Zoom comment sessions existed before COVID. All levels of government and legislation evolve and change slowly compared to the private sector. My understanding is the state law only requires public comment once a quarter and not by Zoom. All of the way it's handled is in need of modernization. James Watson's right. Hmm. Lloyd Snook made mention. James Watson is 100% right. Lloyd Snook made mention to this in this past meeting. Hmm. In fact, I can get specifically what he said. I was having this conversation with Anonymous about this. This is what Snook said. You may not be aware that Virginia law only, and this is quote, this is a quote, this is a quote, and you can find the, uh, here's the quote. You may not be aware that Virginia law only requires us to receive public comment once every calendar quarter, Hmm. and yet we do so three times in every meeting. So we are committed to frequent public comment an appropriate public comment, and I'll leave it at that, end quote, Lloyd Snook. Now, we'll take it a step further, and this is why this is such a dynamic topic. Warrior AG will get to your comments. Albert Graves in a matter of moments. This is why this is such a uh, dynamic topic. Okay, I'll, I'll, and I'm going to highlight where you can find the transcripts of council meetings in a matter of moments. Literally, chat GBT transcription of council meetings. In a matter of moments. Almoro County. You ready for this? 
How many people know where the line that divides Almoral County and the city of Charlottesville is located? Well, it's not like it's a straight line. It's not a straight line. But oftentimes, people don't know if they're in Charlottesville City or Almoral County. Yeah, very true. It's not like there's a circumference. Yeah, it's not a, a line. A cir- there's no line that shows the division of these jurisdictions. At least not crossing the road. There's some signs strategically positioned around town where it says, Welcome to Charlottesville. You see one of those signs on Ivy Road when you're coming from, say, the Boar's Head into town. That sign is right, right there by Ivy Provisions. Mm-hmm. Before you get to the tennis shop and the university shopping center where the Papa John's is located and the car wash is located. Almoral County and its government allow commenting via Zoom. Almoral County and its public commenting portion, its government, its supervisors, allow taxpayers and citizens from any jurisdiction to utilize hybrid mythology or, or infrastructure, remote infrastructure, digital infrastructure, to speak before government. We've had supervisors on this show of Albemarle County indicate to us that the civic engagement levels in these meetings is significantly higher since they rolled out this solution. Do they have people calling in? Do they have Nazis calling in? They haven't faced this issue to the extent of what Charlottesville faced two meetings ago. I mean, it was disgusting. You literally had two counselors being called the N-word. Disgusting. Yeah. It's a dynamic topic. Albemarle's allowing public commenting via Zoom. Charlottesville City is not. Almoral County has got Ann Malik and Brad Rickle, rhymes with pickle, contested election. B. Lapisto Kirtley, TJ Fatally, contested election. Two of the three, Mike Pruitt, running unopposed. Almoral County's got contested elections on the school board. Almoral County doesn't seem to have the crime at least the prolific levels of crime that the city is seeing. There's an unsolved murder right now. Mm -hmm. Active investigation, where the Charlottesville Police Department is asking citizens, dozens of citizens who saw a murder to speak up. Almoral County, from a tax revenue and the health of its economy, seems to be chugging at a clip that Charlottesville is not. I'm curious to see how citizens everywhere spend money in the fourth quarter of this year as, in, as credit card debt is at an American high, all-time high. Will we see the same strength with retail sales in the fourth quarter as we've seen in previous due to the Christmas holiday? And if we do not see the same strength with retail sales in the fourth quarter, because credit card debt is at an all-time high, because Pal is pinching pennies in people's pockets, will that slow the economy into the first quarter, which often drags, because people are paying off debt from the holidays? 
I want to get to comments. They're coming in significantly quicker than I can keep up. And if you would like to look at transcripts for all city council meetings, I will give you a URL. In fact, I will share the URL in the comment section of my personal Facebook page under this show. It's crp-seville.org forward slash transcripts. I'll give it to you again. crp-seville.org forward slash transcripts. I'm going to post it in the comment section of my LinkedIn page, crp-seville.org forward slash transcripts. I'm going to post it in the comment section of the I Love Seville group. My personal Facebook page reaches 6,200 people. The I Love Seville group reaches 4,100 people. The I Love Seville food page reaches 8,000 people. The I Love Seville Facebook page reaches significantly, I'd say 20, on a given month, 20K plus. My personal Twitter is at 1,300 and change. I'll post it in the thread under my personal Twitter. We will include it in a newsletter if we have some time. Warrior AG, I'm coming to you in a matter of moments. Transcripts for city of Charlottesville governmental meetings. can be found here. Let's go to Albert Graves. No Zoom comments sucks for the handicap and the ones that have transportation issues, Jerry and Judah. We should not be surprised with this council's knee-jerk reactions. Look at what they turned the park into and what may happen when they attempt to shut it down since a majority of the tent city residents are up in arms and have declared they are refusing to leave. Albert Graves says those numbers will drop if there continues to be unsolved murders and robberies and violent crimes continue to rise. Just like in most big cities, the residents will run to the local surrounding counties and leave the city in the rear view. Albert Graves concludes with this. I cannot understand why one candidate won't condone her supporters for defacing her opponent's signs, and it's the only race with these issues. It just really speaks to the character of that candidate. That's a reference to the Spillman-Bryce race. I think we should show Keith Smith, of Real Talk with Keith Smith, and one of the principals of Yes Realty Partners. We're giving him, um, we're giving, we're sourcing him, do you have his slide nine from Real Talk with Keith Smith? Yep. Can you put slide nine up? There it is. This is data from Real Talk with Keith Smith. And this morning's talk show, that was absolutely fantastic. I want to show this data. Meredith Richards, the railroad advocate, we need to get you on the show to talk railroad. I'll set the stage for what you're looking at. Look at the screen, everyone. Single-family detached homes data. It's no new construction. It's comparing quarters 2019 for the third quarter 2019 to the third quarter 2020, the third quarter of 2021, the third quarter of 2022, 
in the third quarter of 2023. You got it broken down by jurisdiction. Charlottesville City, Elmore County, Greene County, Nelson County without Wintergreen, Fluvanna County, Lake Monticello only, Fluvanna County without Lake Monticello, Louisa, Buckingham, Augusta, Waynesboro City, and Stanton. I want you to look at the two jurisdictions on the left, which are Charlottesville City and Elmore County, Judah. From the third quarter of 2019 to the third quarter of 2023, Charlottesville City median values for homes, no new construction, have spiked over $200,000 in value. Almoral County experienced or enjoyed the most appreciation from Q3 2019 to Q3 2023. The spike has been I mean, what do you call it? 250 and change? What do you characterize that? 250,000 and change? Say a little bit less than that, but getting close to that. It's hard to say. Um, and then put in comparison to the other jurisdictions. Almar County is on absolute fire. It's on absolute fire. It's on fire with new construction compared to the other jurisdictions. It's on fire with attached product existing compared to the other jurisdictions. Detached product compared to the other jurisdictions. I've made this comment multiple times on this talk show. How are politics, crime, Knee-jerk reactions, short-sightedness impacting not only the economy in the city, but values. Now, some will say the values in Charlottesville are escalating, Jerry. It's, it's not having an impact. They're not escalating at the same clip as Albemarle is. Do we just chalk that up that people want a little bit more land and a little bit more breathing room? Do we chalk it up to schools? Last I checked, Albemarle schools were struggling a bit. You don't think Albemarle County schools are struggling a little bit? Talk to the parents of financially margined students in elementary schools or the parents of students of color in elementary schools in Albemarle County. The data is there. One of the candidates, Bryce, is running on this platform. Comments are coming in quick. Dr. John Shabe says, Jerry, as you know, we're taking our dollars to Stanton with Pro Renata. Yeah. Pro Renata is taking its millions of dollars and what will be... I mean, it's hard to even estimate the tax revenue significance of Pro Renata going to Stanton over the course of the lifespan of this business's maturation and evolution. Mm -hmm. Pro Renata is a phenomenal brand. One of my favorite beers is the Hop Drone. 
Its brewery in Crozet is as family-friendly as any brewery you're going to find. It's at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's got an epic music venue. It's got parking. Dino is running the food. The food is fantastic. There's great TVs for viewing sports. Pro Renata in Crozet is the, in a lot of ways, the benchmark brewery. Accessibility approachability, family-friendly, sports environment, music epicenter, fire pits, playground. Pro Renata tried for years to get water from Almaro County. The water it needed from Almaro County, Dr. John Shabe said this on the show when he came on here, was how many feet away, John? From Pro Renata? You guys needed water to brew beer. You asked your, can't, your, your supervisor, Ann Malik, to get water. I think it was less than half a mile away. I, I hope he corrects me. Yeah. A thousand feet. He just put this in the feed. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> it was a thousand feet away from his brewery. And Malik didn't care about it. Mm -hmm. And it's Albemarle's loss and Stanton's gain. Yeah. Septic line. Correction. Thank you. It says it's a septic line, not a water line. I stand corrected. A septic line was a thousand feet away from his brewery. You got a take on that? I mean, without getting into name calling about certain board, uh, certain uh, council members, it just it doesn't make any sense. I mean, why would you why would you push away businesses trying to grow in your area? Because you're punch drunk with your own antiquated vision of what you want Albemarle to stay. So you're saying it's just that they don't want to see growth. You're saying that uh, preventing something like, preventing someone like uh, Pro Renata from, from expanding is just a matter of, of not wanting... Supervisor Malik is not a growth supporter and there's nothing wrong with that it's her prerogative and she has the votes and has had the votes to stay in office for four straight terms yeah and if i was a betting man and anyone who knows me they know i am a betting man Mm -hmm. if i had to put line or odds on malik versus rickle and the whitehall district and we'll know on november 7th yeah i would say malik is probably a shoe-in. If I bet 10 on Rickle, I win 40. If I bet 40 on Malik, I win 10. Malik is an overwhelming favorite. And to her credit, 
she understands the concept of garnering votes and the votes that she's garnered want Almoral to be the Almoral of yesteryear. Yeah. And I'll make this point. Crozet undoubtedly and Whitehall undoubtedly have in infrastructure issues. But when you allow a brewery to invest millions of dollars into a neighboring jurisdiction, that brewery is going to be committed to seeing that outfit, that what it's building, have success. And the jobs that are going to be created from Stanton Pro Renata mm -hmm. are jobs not tied to white-collar technology or white-collar biotech or white-collar data. They're jobs that could have been offered to people within the community yeah. as opposed to jobs that were coming or jobs that were being filled by people outside the community. Yeah. Another example of this, and ironically, it's also beer. Deschutes Brewing Company when Malik was on the board, tried to open an East Coast hub on 29 South by Virginia Eagle, where the 29 South intersection is. The Schutz Brewery. I, this is the first time I ever spoke before local government. I went to this meeting. Mm -hmm. Supervisors turned it down despite it creating somewhere between 103 and 106 local jobs. If we want the community to gentrify quickly, we eradicate or we de-incentivize blue-collar jobs that can be filled by locals yeah. that pay well. If we want the community to be the menage a trois of Telluride doing a little boom shakalaka with Greenwich, Connecticut and Austin, Texas, then that's what's coming. You, 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 you chuckle. I chuckle because it's funny, not because Charlottesville and Almaro are the birth child of a menage a trois with Telluride, Austin, and Greenwich. Okay, I don't I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm not sure if it means anything to the... I, I think the viewers and listeners understand what I'm saying. Okay. Affluent, homogenous, and lacking approachability to all socioeconomic demographics. Gotcha. A resort community focused on wealth. get to comments. Carly Wagner says, what's the percentage of governing bodies across the country allowing virtual public comments? I don't have that answer. It's a good question. I know Albemarle County does. Jerry, question for you. When the school board voted to renew Haas's contract, was that in closed session? If so, if there are rules that allow for that to be conducted in closed session, if not, was it on the agenda and was it advertised appropriately to the public that would be 
taking place ahead of the meeting. I know it was not in closed session. There were people in attendance during the meeting, in person during the meeting. How I know this is um, Almoro Union Advocate and a key member of the Almoro Educational Association, Mary McIntyre, was live tweeting that meeting and indicated on her Twitter thread that Haas's contract just got extended. I am not 100% certain, Carly, if it was on the agenda or not. I would imagine that Haas's renewal for his contract was not on the agenda, and I'm basing that statement on an in-person attendance that was very sparse and meager. If on that agenda it was advertised that Haas's contract was going to be extended, I would imagine the entire Albor Educational Association and many parents would have been in attendance as opposed to having a ghost town. No doubt. Carly also says, can't folks in Almoro and business owners still write to city council? Devil's advocate, and to be fair, just because someone doesn't get time during a public comment section of a meeting doesn't truly mean their freedom of speech is removed, right? That's a fair point. I will counter that point by saying this. The emails written to council do not paper the public trail. What papers the public trail is speaking before public comment in the public comment period. That papers the public trail. That gives local media an opportunity to cover what people say. The public portion commenting period is often what media write about. The transcripts that are being archived on crp-seville.org forward slash transcripts will not include email correspondence with citizens and counselors in a one-on-one basis. However, those transcripts that are on that website will include public commenting done before council. That's the difference. The email to council still is a form of freedom of speech and Lloyd Snook, I know, responds to just about every one of them, if not all of them. He prides himself in that. But that's a one-on-one correspondence. And Carly says this, and then we'll get to some other comments. The future of public comments at school board meetings may be interesting. Look at how school boards around the country have silenced families from speaking out against school systems. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Another thing that you should be following if you're following the Almoro County School Board, and I follow it extremely closely, ladies and gentlemen, Katrina Colson. She is going to be a delegate. She's currently, after beating Dave Norris and Bellamy Brown in the Democratic primary, Katrina Colson is now... I mean, does she have any opposition? She's running unopposed. Steve Harvey's running against Amy Lawfer. Colson's running unopposed. Mm -hmm. The school board is currently interviewing candidates to fill her seat. The candidates the school board are choosing to fill Katrina Colson's seat are all like-minded candidates with the school board. Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they look for someone that's like-minded? I'll take it a step further. Are you ready for this? 
one of the candidates that is being considered to fill Katrina Carlson's seat and to finish her term, are you ready for this? Was seen campaigning with Allison Spillman in photos. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, this is a small community. It's not, uh, you know, we're not Richmond or D.C. It's hardly surprising that a lot of these people are going to be running in the same circles and helping each other run for <clears throat> run for races and then uh, turning around and getting help from the same person. You can't be surprised by that. You don't find it curious that a candidate that is likely the front runner to fill Katrina Colson's seat has been seen in photography campaigning for not only Spillman, but what is her name? Is it Berlin? I mean, why would it be surprising? Because this is supposed to be democracy. We're supposed to have an array of ideologies on the dais for the betterment of our children and county staff, teachers, and administrators. Sure, ideally, but when you're, I mean, I, I'm not defending them, but come on, if you, if, uh, if you or I were on a council like that, we'd be, we'd be hyping you know, people with the same ideologies that we have. I, I, I don't know that I would. You don't know that you would? Okay. I hope I wouldn't. I mean, if you thought that... They're filling Carlson's seat, and the front runner for the fill is a someone who is politicking and campaigning with... Rebecca Berlin and Allison Spillman. Judy Lee has a write-in candidate opposing her. Ellen Osborne in the Scottsville district is running unopposed. And this at-large race with Spillman and Bryce have a combined total of what? 215, dollars $218,000 of campaign funding totality, both candidates? I learned from John Blair, it's only the Jim Tracy, the only the uh, Robert Tracy, Jim Hingley race of 2019 for Commonwealth's attorney that has had more campaign dollars in one race. Wow. At this point, you're looking at the second most funded race in Almoral County history. Comments, put them in the feed. Uh, Deep Throat, Woody asked this question. 
is Z-H-V-I, Zillow. He also says this. I don't love the idea of pointing someone who is highly political. That's fair. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a statement that some people are going to get pissed off with, but it's a statement regardless. Are you ready for this statement? Mm-hmm. And this is going to piss some people off. That hasn't stopped me in the past. Fontini on Twitter, I'm going to get to your comments. If this school board race goes Ellen Osborne, she's running out of post, she's going to win. Judy Lee's only opposition is a write-in candidate. Mm-hmm. If it goes Ellen Osborne, she's going to win. Judy Lee's going to win. You have to say Spillman right now is, is a front runner. I'll say at 55-45, Spillman's a front runner right now. Metrics I'm basing it on is how Albemarle County votes previously. Yeah. Clearly blue. Right. You can make an argument purple, but blue. And she's now surpassed Bryce from fundraising thanks to Sonia Smith's contributions. Mm-hmm. So you've got Osborne, Lee, and Bright. Osborne, Lee, and Spillman getting victories here. And Colson's seat being filled by someone who campaigned with Berlin and Spillman. The other two seats that are left, very left in ideology, status quo in ideology. Mm. I will make, I can make a convincing and legitimate argument that if it plays out like I just described, you will see a portion of the student population removed from ACPS hmm. and position and other educational op- options, homeschool and private school, by parents that have economic and financial means. Essentially, and essentially people that probably voted against those people. Which does what to the schools? I mean, it... Uh... It's the gentrification of education. Yeah. It's the gentrification of education, just like we see with neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Just like we saw with Belmont. Just like we saw with Woolen Mills. Just like we saw with Hogwaller. The gentrification of education. Fotini on Twitter, at BFF444 now, says, here's the agenda for the October 12th school meeting, Jerry. There is nothing on the agenda regarding Dr. Haas's contract renewal. Did you hear that? I'm going to retweet this. I'm going to quote retweet this. Thank you for sharing this. Everyone should read the 1012 AC Albemarle County School Board agenda. 
here. I want everyone to understand that an agenda which tells folks what's going to happen was released prior to a meeting and this agenda did not include mention of renewing the CEO of the school system, $260 million a year budget, his contract. That's peculiar, right? Curious at best, right? Does it make it seem like they were sneaking around? Does it not to you? But You're what? a benefit of the doubt kind of guy, and that's one of my favorite things about you. I'm a smoke fire kind of guy. I mean, in this case, I think that everything, all the actions they've taken so far surrounding this seem highly suspicious. And the question is why? Is, was there somebody that could stop them from doing that at some point? Yes. Who could have stopped them? The people who voted them into office. Can the, the, Really? They can stop them from doing that? I understand they could On the 7th them. of November and in the early voting period, they could have stopped it. And they chose not to. How so? It's who you vote. The people on the board... Now, granted, Berlin was appointed, and that's the point that C. Wags is making over here. Carly Wagner makes good points. What do you think of the nickname C. Wags? You like C. Wags? Carly says, yes, the incumbent Berlin of Whitehall, who was never elected but appointed to be David Oberg's successor. So she says, in reality, how many actual board members have actually been elected? Good question. One of the individual, and, and she's also including in there the, the fact that some candidates are running unopposed. Mm-hmm. Ellen Osborne can vote for herself and she wins with one vote. Judy Lee's opposition is a write in candidate. She could probably get her two of the streets in her neighborhood to vote. And win. I ask these questions because I ask these questions about schools because the folks that are impacted by these decisions today are the ones who are voiceless today. And you know who they are? Who are the voiceless ones today that are impacted by this? The lower-income families? No. Our children. Yeah. Those third graders in elementary schools and ACPS of financially margined families or the third graders, students of color that are significantly behind 10, 20, 30, 40, 
50, 60 percentage points behind yeah. in reading and basic comprehension skills, they're not speaking up today. Right. But this impacts them tomorrow. This impacts them and their future five, ten years from now. Mm-hmm. The jobs they're going to have. Last I heard, reading was important for getting work. How many jobs can you get if you can't read real well? Oh, Sarah Hill Buchensky. I guess the board doesn't want to further evaluate Haas's performance over the next year and a half. That's a, another very odd thing about this. That's what I highlighted in my analysis. The contract didn't expire until 2025. Yeah. You're giving a contract renewal when there's 18 months left on the contract. Yeah. Contract renewals don't happen at the 18-month marker. Right. Unless something is amiss. It is very curious. <clears throat> Maybe there are plans underway. John Blair says this. Here's another idea. Allow individuals to submit written comments that will be read by the city clerk or city manager at the meeting. This would allow the racially obscene comments to be edited out. That's a good comment. And if people write written comments that can be read, it, uh, read out loud by the city clerk or the city manager at the meeting, those written comments that are submitted in advance paper the trail. They paper the trail in the meeting and are not clandestine emails with counselors. Mm-hmm. Oh. Anything you want to add? No. Carol Thorpe, Jerry, you are spot on about what will happen if the school board election goes as you project on top of the Haas extension. That giant sucking sound we will hear will be a mass exodus of students out of ACPS and into private and homeschooling environments. Gentrification, here we come. That's Carol Thorpe. Hmm. Stacy Baker Patty says this. I enjoyed meeting you, Stacy Baker Patty. She says, Haas is now making almost 218000 per year. Who gets a raise when you fail at all the metrics, she says. Welcome to government. The gentrification of education before our very eyes. When you include capital improvement projects, the county is spending 18 Gs roughly per kid to educate them. When you include the expenses of capital improvement projects, it's 18K per kid. Queen of Ivy, Kate Charts, says this. Even if Meg Bryce wins, she would still be the minority vote. Yeah. So they must have done it to be extra, extra cautious. I don't know. It was a big disappointment. No doubt. That it was, that's also been curious to me as well. It, this whole thing has been <clears throat> the race between them. It seemed as though somebody was uh, thinking that she was going to take over or gain some. Uh... Do you know, you've, you've 
unproportionate. You've been here before when Meg's been on the show. Yeah. You've directed the show. She is very convincing and persuasive because she backs her arguments up with facts. Just yeah. because there's one dissenting opinion on the dais, one there's, of seven. I get that, but if all the rest of them are hard line, died in the wool. Uh, Anything can happen when you have liberals. a dissenting voice. That's why I don't buy the argument that one dissenting voice is going to have no impact. I don't buy that argument. That dissenting voice with an enhanced platform and school board would be an enhanced platform versus what she has right now. It would be a significantly enhanced platform. Yeah. That dissenting voice can offer an opinion that will be heard by more once she's on the board than when she's not on the board. So you think this is more about quieting her than... This is a strategic move done by the board to make sure there was no dissentment. If they had waited until 2025 to renew or extend his contract, there would have been a runway of 18 months and change. I take that back. She wouldn't have started until January 1, 2024. There would have been a runway. Yeah, that's 18 months. There would have been a runway of 18 months to paper the trail, pepper the news cycle. and offer a dissenting voice. That's the Wednesday edition of the I Love Seville show. No BS. No filters. Shooting it straight. Place I love. Wife and two kids here. Would love nothing more than to retire, call it home, and see our boys take over or choose to do what they want here as well. And when they choose to do that, if they choose to do that, if is the better word or better phrase, if they choose to do it, I want it to be Albemarle and Charlottesville in as good a place as it was when I got here 23 years ago, when I persuaded my wife to move down here in 2015, and when we birthed our first child in 2018, and by we, I mean her, she did all the work, Jesus. When she birthed our first child in 2018, and when our second child was birthed in 2021. And some of the winds that are blowing are winds that seem to be gaining inclement weather momentum and going from slight breezes of concern to gusts of hurricane status. We'll talk about it tomorrow. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville Show on a Wednesday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville.